Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, beautiful humans. Welcome to episode... 29 of Croversation. Oh, guys, this episode's come out a little late, but it has come out on the right day. Are you proud of me? I'm proud of myself. I think I've just come to realise I'm never on time for anything. Ask anyone that knows me. (laughs) I'm late to fucking everything. So, my apologies for the lateness but not for the total delay. Mm? We're getting there. We're getting there, friends. I'm currently eight, almost nine weeks sober. Or am I nine weeks sober now? I think I'm nine weeks sober, friends. Yes, I think I am. And uh, I've been so much more productive, hence all this coming out on time. And loads of other awesome projects I've been working on, like my Sex Workers Frank campaign. I hope y'all have been following it on my social media. We spoke about it heavily in the last episode. Um, But we've had our protest since then. And I just wanted to share with you what happened in case you didn't hear or see. We went and protested outside Instagram's HQ in London. They had hired extra security for the doors. Um, There was about 50 of us who turned up. I had a megaphone. That was fun. And I ran around explaining to everyone in this courtyard outside their headquarters what they were doing, how it was affecting us, and what we wanted. And then I turned my attention on the office where everyone was waving at the windows and asked them for a meeting repeatedly. Obviously, they didn't give it to me. We asked via the security that are now blockading the doors and not letting any of their staff in or out. Hey, can you set up a meeting with Instagram? They've been told not to talk to us or they've been told not to really engage with us. I tried to high five one of them and the guy was like, no. So (laughs) I think we got him shook. (laughs) But we will see where it goes now. I'm going to endeavor to still get a meeting with them. I truly believe they just need to sit down and actually listen to sex workers for once. Nobody ever does. I will keep you updated on the latest with that. But For now, I'm going to move on to this week's episode. It's a very, very awesome episode. It's a really interesting episode for me. It's a subject I don't usually broach too often. Um, I guess I need to do better on that because it's my responsibility as a white cisgendered person um, of my position of privilege that I'm in. I'm in a very privileged position that I need to be lifting up more voices um, who aren't of the same privilege as me and that's what I'm trying to do now so I would love some guest suggestions you guys um it's been a little while since I've asked you but always just leave a comment on my Instagram or you can tweet me that's probably the best way you can find me on Twitter at cats and crows k-a-t-s-a-n-d-c-r-o-w-s and on Instagram for now also that is it so You guys, I really hope you enjoy this one because I really, really did. I felt so uplifted afterwards and I think this beautiful woman did as well. Please welcome to this week's episode of Conversation, Miss Talitha Frost. She is incredible. She is so hardworking. You'll hear about all the amazing things that she does 
in the episode, so I'll clear off now and let you listen. Alright guys, please enjoy episode 29 of Crovisation. When I was growing up, all my role models were male. I didn't see anyone I could relate to in the press, online, anywhere. Now, I'm surrounded with the most phenomenal women. They've each endured unique hardships and survived. More than survived, they thrive. But still, women are not equal in the world, not represented in the media, not treated equally online, and still subjected to sexism in everyday life. Alternative women especially are more a hashtag than they are real humans. I want to change that. I want you to see the women I see. I want you to hear them. This is Crovisation. Hi, beautiful humans. Welcome back to Crovisation. I've got with me a very, very awesome lady. She has been in my life for a couple of years now. She entered my life in a really, really fun way. She's one of the hardest working people that I know. Honestly, God, this, this woman is crazy. She's at university and working so many full-time jobs. Please welcome the fucking awesome Talitha Frost. Hello, everyone. Hey, girl, how are you? Um, I'm diddling well today. I'm doing good. Good. Yeah, good. Sad, but I'm still good. Yeah? yeah? What have you been up to lately? Um, just a whole lot of uni work. Just oh, yeah? constantly. Um, avoiding one of my muggle jobs that I have because I don't have time for it. I oh need my to god, no. Education. What's your muggle job? Um, at the my like primary muggle job is yeah. just being at a call centre. Uh huh. And it's not as bad as it was before. Like I used to destroy my spirit. But oh. Now I'm doing okay with it. I just haven't had the time for it. So I emailed and like, I won't be there for three weeks. Haven't got the time. Bye. Really? <laughs> That's nice. You can do that though. It's really nice. They only employ actors and performers, so they're really flexible oh, with it. So even I love if on that. the day, if I needed to say. Like, oh, I can't come in, I have, like, an audition or a yeah. casting. Maybe like, okay, that's cool. That's so, great, so you can just do it whenever. So good. That's great. I feel like a lot of creative people work jobs like that. Mm-hmm. I remember when I, I met it. Crimson, she was working in a call centre. Because uh-huh. it is so flexible. Need it. Yeah, so fully. And that's how you support yourself at the yeah. moment. So you are a creative lady. What are you studying at university? Um, at the moment, I'm studying for a degree, which the title is... It's called Music Industry Practice, but then there's different pathways. So there's, like, the creative right. artists, the tech services, music production, and performance. Cool. And vocal performance is what I do. Yes, you're a singer. Yeah. How long have you been singing for? Like, I don't oh. know if... Is that, is that even a question? <laughs> so long. <laughs> Your whole um, life. <laughs> so I've been singing since I was, like, six, seven. Like, when I started, like, singing on a regular basis because I was raised, like, a Christian, Savage, Army family. Right. So I was part of the choir. That's oh. what I started voice for stuff really and do you think that's really helped you oh yeah so much like I learned like um just how to use my voice especially like around other people so not just as like a solo singer and like how to hear harmonies well which is what you need if you're in like a choir yeah it's also just how I learned to read music because alongside that I started playing a brass instrument oh, which is crazy cool. I play baritone horn which is like a huge that's a big one isn't it just sit with your legs to the side like a lady oh, and you just hold this huge instrument and it's crazy that's but yeah sick. it's taught me a lot so really yeah. cool <laughs> so that's your kind of your entrance into the creative world mm-hmm. did you do anything else creative when you were younger um i started some also like a classically trained dancer yeah so i do um i started like ballet when i was about the same age i think mm. maybe five so a bit earlier so I still do ballet now, so that's been about amazing. 15 years I saw now. a photo on your Instagram of you on point, and oh, I never yeah. realised you did. And oh my God. Yeah. Respect so to anyone. And then picked up like tap and modern when I was like in my yeah. early teens. So. And you still dance now. That's kind of how we know Crazy. each other, isn't yeah, it? Of course. You are. You're obviously a go-go dancer with us a disgrace. Mm-hmm. But you joined our team because I remember seeing you <laughs> at a ton of our events. And uh-huh. you were just dancing all night. Mm-hmm. Like, I just assumed that you were just like off your tits or something because you just danced constantly. She, she always had everything. water in her hand. And I was like, this girl is living her best mm-hmm. life. And she came to um, an event that we put on called Reckless, and it was like a dance event. Yeah. And it was open till six in the morning, and you were there until the end. <laughs> I was, know. It was crazy. It was I mean, crazy. we don't talk about it that often because it, it was a weird one. But we met you uh-huh. through it, and you were there for the whole time. I was there for the whole time. And I kept going up to you being like, you're amazing. <laughs> and I was like, I was drunk as hell, obviously. I was just like the annoying <laughs> drunk person. And then you showed up at our auditions, like a few months later. <laughs> we were like, we know this bitch. 
She's amazing. <laughs> what made you want to come and audition for us? Um, so I'd seen you guys like ages ago back when um, it was Ballroom Blitz. Yeah. And that was like, and I came to one in December and I came with my best friend um, Holly at the time and we were just like so blown away by it and I was like, oh my God, these yeah. girls are amazing. The show is amazing. Like this whole night out is amazing. It's amazing. It was so great. And I, like, <laughs> I want to go to every single one, but I was always busy because mm. you know me, you stupidly busy as story of my life. So yeah. And then I saw you rebranded as Disgrace and I saw all I was like, there, I'm doing that. I had literally no question about it. I was like, I'm doing it. Yes. Do it. <laughs> I didn't yes. think about the implications or travel no. or that I'd be snowballing into what is a devil company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so great. It's crazy. And that's kind of how you have to do it. Like, mm-hmm. any, any work that I've ever done in London, you, you have to just throw yourself in. Yeah. Like, you just, you take all the weirdest of jobs. I remember I got a job working in a nightclub and I started working as like a hot tub girl. Mm-hmm. And I was in the hot tub on the first night and I just had a fresh tattoo done and I ruined the tattoo. <laughs> but I did it because I now have a long term job with that company. Yes. And it was so worth it. Fully. So great. So, Talitha, one thing that you and I have in common currently is mm-hmm. I've been sober for nine weeks. Oh, yeah. And you're a sober being pretty much, aren't you? Yep. I am an entirely sober being. Yes. Um, in like the last. About three months ago, I tried getting drunk for the very first time. Uh-huh. It happened two times over two weeks. Uh-huh. I didn't like. I didn't. I didn't not like it. but yeah. I didn't like it either. It was just like this is an like, experience. This is weird. I was like, I did this now. It's like one of those things. <laughs> like I, had, I, I couldn't get to the other side of uni having not done it, and Silly. I had to use the experience of being in uni to do it. I like, think that's a great fine. way to approach it. Yeah, it was cool, but experience yeah, as a good. whole, I'm a sober person. I don't yeah. like drink on nights out. I'm just there chilling with my J2O, my yeah. water, orange juice. Healthy. Yeah. Do you feel better for it? I feel so good. Like if I go for a night out, it will like if I get home at like four a.m. Mm. If I need to, I can get up to work at ten a.m. Like, yeah, it's fine. It will it's hurt just me just because I'm tired. tired, but I can do it. It's like after disgrace one time. Oh my goodness, awful story. Yes, I did three jobs in like a day and a half. So uh-huh. <laughs> I did an acting job from like ten a.m. to four p.m. Uh-huh. The shift was meant to go on later there, but I was like, no, I need to go home I've and sleep before disgrace. Go. So I went home, had a nap for disgrace, then was at disgrace from like. 9pm to get ready and then on till 3am yeah. and I went to Jem's house to sleep yeah. didn't get back there oh, until you. like 5am and yeah. I had to be up at half 6 to get ready to go do like an 11, 11 hour job for like another court, corporate oh thing I used God. to do and I was like oh, so this is a little sleep but if I was someone who drinks if I was at disgrace, I would have fucked it. Fully. Fully fucked it. I used but, to do it. No. I used to do it all the time and think I could get away with it. And I was like, oh, it's not that bad. I don't feel that bad. It's fine. But now that I've done it sober, I'm like, oh my God, I used to feel horrendous. Do you feel like a superhuman? I feel like, <laughs> I, honestly, I keep saying this to people, I feel like I've got sober superpowers. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so productive. Uh-huh. Is this, like, is this normal? Is this what people do? I guess. This just is just how thing. we feel all the time, but then a lot of people aren't sober, so. Have, yeah, that's true. Really you have a lot of free time. I... I have a lot of free time because, yeah, I don't have to deal with like, the hangovers in the morning yeah. or, like, having to deal with, like, sloppily crawling home or whatever. That's it. That's <laughs> exactly it. Nice. I, I had just have, like, forced days off through hangovers mm-hmm. and now I don't. And I've got, like, double the amount of water. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's so great. And I've got loads of new hobbies. And you have loads of hobbies, don't you? Um, what do you do? Real off some hobbies. Uh, I had a look through your Instagram and it's the most interesting place. So I used to do pole fitness yes. until like a year ago and I stopped mainly because I didn't want to do pole fitness, I wanted to do pole dancing. Yeah. But where I live is a really suburban my area where the instructions were kind of like hashtag not a stripper and I was like hashtag oh, not about that. So not I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. And also the lessons are really expensive. It was like a yeah. kind of gentrified thing in my area. Yeah. So it was like a hundred pounds for like six lessons and I was like oh, that's quite a lot as a poor student a student <laughs> who doesn't like who doesn't like it was last year so I didn't have a muggle job to even support myself oh. and I was like can't do it can't do it nope it's so, stressful yeah. it's expensive um, what other hobbies hey buddy <laughs> um, I've recently picked up fire which is cool. yes you have I've seen some videos yeah, are I'm you loving it dragon. I am loving it and I can't wait to get into some spaces and perform with it I'm excited yes. for that um, I still do like ballet tap and modern um, music is a hobby as well as long as well as my like studies as mm. well. What else do I do? I just do random stuff. <laughs> yeah. Music random wise, you're in a band. <laughs> I am. Yes, tell band. me about your band. Um, I'll, I'll, my, I'll, yeah, it is our band. There's, if you yeah. the singer, it's your band and then it's our no, band. I always our make band, it so clear that it's like sure. a collective thing and I don't want to make all the decisions because that's not cool, does it? For a while? I love that. I think um, collective decisions are always better. Yeah. So the band's called Trick Vision. It was born out of. Um, 
a band that actually got together for an assessment last year and it was basically picked of random people I just looked at a whole list of people that were in my like um performance lecture at uni I was like yeah. I need to sort this now because I couldn't get into a rehearsal because I was at download oh, and I was yeah. like I just need these people to learn these songs and just no rehearsal go back on stage yeah and I chose these people and then a few things changed and then like less than a year later the a band trick vision we so play fun. some uh like wavy rock metal influences like uh royal blood mama's that sort of stuff cool and you love that i love it and it's yes. a lot of hard work alongside doing yeah it. and uh we're all, all all four of us are so so busy so it does take a lot of work to write things get everyone in the same room get like out into the world doing shows and stuff but yeah. it's happening it's slowly happening but it's you've happening. done a few shows haven't you i've done two three love it three and um, I've done some. I've done some shows. <laughs> I did them. Yeah, I'm trying to. What's in our head is we want to move into doing London, which is yes. It's technically an easy thing to do because there are so many venues in London where you can literally just contact them and go, "We can put on a gig here." Yeah, trust us, we'll bring like three bands and we'll do it. And they're like, yeah. "Cool." And there's so many like really? pubs that have like um, not open mic nights, but they have like a performance space where it's like just email us or like really to, uh, talk to us on Insta and That's you can put on the show here. That's very interesting. I didn't but, know that. Yeah, we're just sucking at. Contacted them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <We suck. laughs> what advice would you give to other people that are in a band starting up that want to get gigs and stuff? Um, literally just that, just go out and do it. Just do it. Don't wait for the opportunity to come to you because that will rarely happen. You just have to make the opportunities for yourself. Yeah. Which sucks because it takes so much motivation mm. and there's always the risk of rejection. And if you're me, you fucking hate getting, like, just the feeling know, of possibly horrible, getting rejected. It? Like, it's <laughs> very scary. And it's hard not to take it personally, especially when it's music and it's something that you're putting your heart and it's soul very into. very close to your soul, isn't it? Yeah. So Silly. you just got to go out there, do it and ask for things and you'll most likely get them. Yeah. yeah. I've noticed that as well in the last year. My last year, last year was shit and this year it's kind of taught me to just ask for things mm. and I've just been getting them and I'm yeah. like oh I didn't realise and even when I struggle with that I know that's a thing I know mm-hmm. you can ask them and get them and in my head I'm like mm, no scared. it's scary I or know like, it is or I also have a thing with like appearing a week and I'm like I don't want to yeah. see like I need help or I need to I, I'm like this one I'm, like, I'm like I will wait for them to come to me Yeah. and I'm standing over here like me pucking my chest out like hello <laughs> and they just don't notice yeah. so it's a flooded industry it yeah, really is sure. very busy it's pretty crazy so, yeah, you're a performer. You're obviously a natural performer, and you must love being on stage. <laughs> I really how is that? And how is that also as a woman in the alternative music industry? Oh, I mean, like... Do you find you get treated differently? I get treated differently for being a woman in the music industry, but also for being a black woman in the music yeah. industry. So just separately as a woman, people are tiptoeing around me. They assume that I'm not... They all... It's a stereotype of like, oh, she's a woman, she's a singer. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I'm like, fuck you, I hate that I fit into that stereotype. Yeah. Means you're right. But yeah, you're right, I'm a singer, whatever. Um, <laughs> yes. It's that. It's like, oh, she must be a singer, she must not know much about the industry, or she must not know much uh. theory-wise, or whatever. And there's that, and there's also the fact that I'm a black woman, so I'm in rock and metal, which is a whitewash genre so people Very expect me so. to just not either know many bands not really know what I'm doing especially when I'm not just a singer I scream as well and that's something that most people around me even like the most superior of people the white male bunny fingers yeah um, <laughs> I can't do but I can mm. so people are like what the fuck how is she doing this really I get a lot of attention for that which is you find you have to prove yourself more I feel like I have to prove myself more but no one says it outright right but I f- I know they're thinking it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to no, do, do it. I'm going to do it to spite you because I know you don't believe in me and I'm yeah. going to show you that I'm just as good at, if not better than you. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell though, can't you? I feel mm. like it's not... I, sp- I think the alternative scene is a very kind scene in the way it's never like overtly yeah. aggressive. I think some other genres of music, people are very much more kind of like throwing personal attacks at each other oh, yeah. and dissing each other and stuff. But the old scene is very friendly, but any kind of adversity is very passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed it as well, just as a woman, people just assuming your incompetence, I suppose, oh, yeah. don't they? It's um, kind of recently, like, I think, it, I always felt fuck up this day I don't know if it was beginning of March beginning of April but a few months ago <laughs> fuck it. a friend of mine we put on a gig at my uni yeah and um, we this was like our brainchild we wanted to put this gig on together we had the idea together we did like majority of it together blah 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 and um, on the night people were congratulating us thinking oh this is such a great idea guys this is like a great gig um, and there was someone from like a local band there 
I wanted to talk to us about participating in the next one. Uh-huh. We were like, oh, that's great. We'll go outside and we'll chat. And this person spoke directly to my friend. Who is a man? Uh-huh. He's a lovely man. Um, spoke directly to my friend. Eye contact, uh-huh. always talking to him the whole time. And I was standing right next to him. Yeah. And I was like, dude, just talk to me. Hello. And he shook his hand. I tried to shake his hand. He just wouldn't go for it. And I was like, what the hell? And at the time, I was like, uh-huh. whatever. People are trash. And I also had yeah. a lot going on in terms of deadlines at that time. So I didn't process it. And it was like a month later, like... You know when you just get down and think everyone hates me. I'm yeah, not good at anything. Of I have that, and then that memory came back to me. I was like, no one takes me seriously in this industry. No. And I just had a breakdown and panic attack in oh, a public space no. and had to go home. Oh. <laughs> but it made me really sad. But I was like, you know what? Fuck that guy. Like yeah. I put on the fucking gig, and he wants to be in my space, and I have the power to How give him that you? opportunity. For sure, so you're the one. Respect me. <laughs> in control there. Yeah. See, people don't must not realize like how much it, it really affects you because mm-hmm. you have to put on a brave face. I feel like that's quite um, yeah. a stereotype of black women as well. It's oh, like you have sure. to be quite strong you're not allowed to cry or be upset in public because you're seen as hysterical yeah there's this like really there's the general stereotype of like um like angry black women or just like any kind of emotion is more hysterical than it would be seen on a woman of any other color yeah there's also like the stereotype that exists for black people of any gender where you're just superhumanly strong it's really weird like we're just portrayed as like (laughs) like superhuman beings that don't feel pain or don't feel like any kind of sadness or just like yeah, it's it's dehumanising in a way, isn't it? To be honest, it's yeah. dehumanising. It makes no sense. It comes it comes from, like, a stereotype. I can't remember what it's called. It's, like, uh, like mid and post-slavery, there were, like, uh, stereotypes of black people. Uh-huh. I can't remember which one it is, but it's, like, a stereotype that, like, says that um, women in particular, like, um, are hostile and cold towards, like, their husbands and children, mm. and they take away the women's work, and they drive away all their family because they're so strong and don't have any feelings. And what? Like that. What a bizarre... I it's don't understand so where that's come from. Like, I, I, that's clearly put on you mm-hmm. as a black woman. Yeah. Like, I don't know where it would have come from. It's crazy, but it still goes on to this day. And yeah. It's, like, never aggressively put on us, but it's just there in sub <laughs> how people behave towards us even if they don't really so fully do you find that um kind of repeats in university as well in the education system um i feel like if i weren't in the creative field and was studying something possibly more academic yeah. i feel that a lot more mm-hmm. but where i'm in the creative field like almost anything goes which i am really thankful for like i wouldn't That's want to good. be in an educational establishment where I can't like express myself yeah. or like always expected to be this or this. I'm really lucky to be like in a uni where I have like complete freedom to just be me despite. That's so great. Yeah. Good. That. That's fucking awesome. So do you have any advice for people anywhere in the music industry and in any other industries to kind of stop these passive aggressive behaviors towards women and especially black women and mm-hmm. putting on these stereotypes? Um, I think it's a journey like everyone has to go to but you have to like look back on like how you've been living your life what you said to people and what yeah. you do now and you just have to recognize like your internalized racism or like just racism in general or like yeah. any misogynistic behaviors that you show and it's so hard to like look back within yourself and be like oh fuck i'm a trash person because like even i've had to do that i've had, I've to, had to unlearn stuff well. and i think it's part of growing up it is and being a more like um empathetic person to people around you so like realizing how what you can say can affect other people or realizing the lives that other people lead not because of anything maybe you do how other people behave towards them yeah i think if you like just take some time i say take some time like it's a one sit down (laughs) session it's like an ongoing thing it is it's a constant development it's a constant development like it took me a year to like realize some of the behaviors i had were really trash yeah (laughs) you just have to spend some time within yourself and just thinking and like even researching like it sounds dumb but researching helps you a lot yeah like knowledge is power go- yeah google is there like you might feel like an idiot going typing into google as a how is saying the n-word racist or yeah um how is saying angry black women racist or things like yeah. that but the answers are out there but just being knowledgeable yeah. i i actually had this the other day i um i i've been seeing like in fashion a lot of people have been doing edging with their hair <laughs> with the wax sticks which yeah. is obviously comes from black culture uh-huh. and latina culture um latinx culture um and i was like oh it looks really cool like yeah. could i do that and i was mm-hmm. like i've got a feeling here mm-hmm. this has been stolen from mm-hmm. someone like white people aren't very good at coming up with hairstyles yeah so I'm going to Google it. And I did Google it and I realised that it came from hundreds and hundreds of years yeah. of, of like black hair and, and Latin hair, etc. And I was like, oh, I'm so fucking glad I Googled that. Yeah. Because I felt like a bit of a dick doing it. 
But ultimately, it stopped me from doing something that would have been upsetting and offensive yeah. and negative to the and world. And the whole thing of like black women securing the edges of their hair came from the fact that our natural hair textures weren't accepted either in workplaces yeah. or just seen as beautiful within fashion. So mm-hmm. we like lay them down with like gel and stuff to seem more like straight and like Caucasian yeah. hair. So seeing other people who already have mm, the privilege, they have, have that, that kind privilege. of hair that's widely accepted, doing it is kind of like great. It's like, you can do that. You look silly. Yeah. You can do it. And I also, <laughs> on Instagram today, I saw a woman that drew hers on. What? She had like, she was a Latinx. She was like a Latinx woman. So she had her hair like tied back. Yeah. She got like a waterproof eyeliner and started like drawing them on her forehead. And I was like, what is going on? That is weird. This is truly the sunken place. I yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, Instagram comes up with some weird beauty trends, uh-huh. but yeah, it's true. And I saw an article, I think, when I googled it as well, is and they've credited a ton of other white women just a fashion week or something like mm-hmm. two years ago with the invention of it. And I was like, no, bitch, absolutely not. And that, that I think is, is is such um it's such a white privilege because it's it's mm-hmm. purely through ignorance yeah. that we haven't gone our way and thought about this like this. Like I was thinking about it earlier. I've as a white person, have never been made to feel aware of my race. Mm. And I think that is a, a really big element of white privilege. And then in that way that we don't think about race, we're mm-hmm. very passive yeah. in the world and we don't actively seek out how to be a good ally to mm-hmm. people of colour. We don't actively seek out how we can make the world a better place for our people, people of colour. And but the pas- like being passive is siding with the oppressor, ultimately. Mm-hmm. So what kind of things actively do you think people can do to be a better ally? Um... I mean, I'd say seek out your friends in your life who aren't white, but I know a lot of people yeah. only have white friends. Mm. And until the age of 18, I was one of those people. Yeah. I only had white friends. Um, it's just, I'd say the same thing again. Like, use Google. Yeah. But sometimes Google can be trash and it's very white-centric. So That's in true. a way, I want to say Twitter, because Twitter, to me, is like a fountain of all knowledge. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people, like, obviously displaying mixed opinions, but... Twitter is the kind of place where you can see someone's profile and you can gauge what kind of person they are, what yes. their political views are, and what their just general world views are. So I'd say for research, you can use Google, you can search whatever, uh-huh. but Twitter is a fucking fantastic resource, for, yeah. especially on race issues. And it's good for engaging issues. in conversation with people mm-hmm. as well, do you find? Yeah, I think it's great. It could also be a harmless place. Yeah. Not harmless. Harmful place. Absolutely. Anyone can say whatever they want and get away with it. Like, there's Nazis on Twitter and I don't understand how they're not getting deleted. Honestly. That's a conversation. (laughs) Fucking Donald Trump is on Twitter still. Jesus Christ. This reminds me of something. When you were go-go dancing at Disgrace's American Mm -hmm. Idiot Party, Mm -hmm. you wore a t-shirt, which I thought was fucking sick, and I said America was never great. I made this. Can you explain (laughs) why you think America was never great? Um, Because America was built on slavery and that's just fucking it's fucked up, up and um it's something that uh americans f- refuse to like um acknowledge mm. saying like oh it's ages ago slavery was so long ago yeah past it. slavery wasn't that long ago it's man. really not like, slavery was like two I, I get my numbers really fucked up a lot so don't quote me on this slavery was like 200 years ago segregation yeah. was like only 50 years ago even it's less like, yeah it's we the have in the world. a lot of People are still alive from that time. Like, how can you tell people to go over it? Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of um, like intergenerational like hurt and aggression. So it's very hard for people to let go of it. I don't think in my lifetime I'm going to see people that don't care about slavery. Yeah, I think it's going to be an ongoing thing, possibly for the rest of humanity. But yeah, I mean, I think it's important not to yeah. forget because I think a lot of people are forgetting about past wrongs of, of tons of places and patterns are repeating mm-hmm. massively at the moment. The best way to make sure history doesn't repeat itself is to acknowledge what's yeah. happened and learn from it. Don't Absolutely. Do that shit all over again. A lot of people learn want to <laughs> bury their head in the sand mm-hmm. about it, don't they? And I think um, a lot of the, the white guilt that people carry around is from that and they don't acknowledge it and people mm-hmm. will be more at peace with themselves and more open to being a better person if mm-hmm. they acknowledge their past and move yeah. on for it. As with any mistake in your life, really. Mm-hmm. If you've done something wrong and shitty, if you've just been horrible to a person, yeah. coming to terms with that and making peace with it mm-hmm. is the only way that you can really open yourself up. A lot of people don't like to do that because they look at it and go, I didn't do that. That was yeah. like me. Mm. That's just people that look like me. But yeah. no one's saying that you personally it's are responsible exactly. for slavery or segregation or racism. Mm. Just acknowledge the patterns and ideas that are already ingrained into systems system that exist in our government and society. Yeah. And just acknowledge how they are harmful to other people. Yeah, I just... Yeah, <laughs> I just, I just, I just. Oh. How do you? I mean, like, we just, we just need to 
we just need to talk more really kind mm-hmm. conversations and stuff like that is a really great starting point which brings me on to something that we were both at the other day where it was a new disgrace type of event <laughs> which was super fun but it was a daytime event with us but free tea and coffee i'm all about it and uh, we had a little gathering at a pub called you yes. can sit with us oh, yeah. which is obviously a throw to me girls you can you sit, sit with us you can sit with us because you're all boss bitches and we love you all and um we had this great session and we had a great conversation so great. i felt so positive after it did you enjoy uh-huh. it i was like oh like hi afterwards i was like oh everyone's mm. so, everyone around me is so great i was so happy we all came together today and my friends that came with me from uni they were on such a high they felt so really inspired, like i want to do this i want to do this and this and this and when people say this to me i'm going to tell them this yes i love that so that's great. that's what we want really i like uh-huh. i just want people to know how to respond mm-hmm. to things like that especially that's what i because i did my talk on sex talk yeah for those of you that weren't there and yeah it's it's great to just be equipped with this information mm-hmm. in like a nice bite size easy to throw back at someone yeah. thing knowledge is power knowledge is power 100 and then we had this lovely evening or lovely daytime yeah. afternoon i'm so used to saying nighttime things yeah. nothing happens a day a day. Day. A d- the lovely <laughs> afternoon i think coffee yeah <laughs> a lovely afternoon um and we took a group photo and i had a look at this photo and it was all white people uh-huh. of course it's just me yourself. in the middle yeah. I purposefully put myself in the middle yes, of the photo yes absolutely like, damn right do you not should. ignore me look at me finally never ever put yourself on the edge 100% um, and this this for me conjured up loads of questions in my mind because I was like I as a white person um, I guess just not fulfilling my duty of having a platform and raising up people of colour to the same privilege as me so I just really wanted to ask you how you think that we can better represent the alternative scene, the womankind in the world, mm-hmm. in our company, and how other people in white-run companies can as well? Um, I think just in general for everyone. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Like uh, white women run companies, just to, in terms of like your marketing and like your socials and like anything you upload, try to include like people of color in that. Mm. Because when people see, oh, that person looks like, look like, looks like me, yeah. I'm accepted in that. So I can go to that event, I can do this thing. It's so simple as that. It's like when people recognise themselves in something, they'll mm. imagine themselves in that situation and really want to take part. Yeah. But in terms of, like, in an alternative industry, like Disgrace, I think it comes from outside of the company. Like, it needs to start with, like, the ideology that black women or black people in the alternative industry aren't some kind of weird anomaly. Yeah. Or that they're not, like, strange with doing it because just as a whole I've seen and like experienced mm. is that being a black person in like rock metal or just the alternative industry in general is like a really like mind-blowing thing for some people like what she's not listening to hip-hop she's not twerking she's not yeah what what's, what's happening she's not doing hood rat sh- she's not doing hood rat shit how, <laughs> how is this happening how? This is not oh, my thing. explain Can't to me <laughs> Multifaceted women? Uh, Where? How could you? How do you have a personality? Uh huh. So, yeah, I think um, with getting uh, more people of colour in general into these spaces starts mm. with just representation in like the media and the socials, and then build from there. You'll it'll be slow, but eventually, if that's what companies do, we'll see people come in. Yeah. And like oh fuck, they'll tell their friends 
who will more than likely be more people of colour and uh-huh. it'll just snowball from there, hopefully. Fully. I, that's definitely something that we definitely need to do. And I, yeah, we definitely need your help with that because we want to be as representative as possible. I'm here to be and, and I see you, I fully see you as a, a black woman in the alternative industry. Mm. It is very unusual. Like, I, when I try and conjure up images of black people in mm. the music industry in general, there's a very small, like, it's a handful. I could maybe count them on one or two hands. Mm. Um, <clears throat> how did that affect you growing up as an alternative kid? Because I started this podcast um, and all my role models when I grew up were male and that was really noticeable to me but I guess as a white person mm-hmm. of course I wasn't aware of race I didn't think about it actively um so as a black woman it must have been even harder for you to find role models mm-hmm. so when I started getting into like alternative music I must have been like 12 13 mm. maybe even a little bit earlier who knows mm-hmm. um so I started listening to like all the like general emo bands like yeah like Chemical Romance uh, and then like the newer it. emo bands like Blackfield Price, Literary Sirens all that kind of oh, stuff and of course they're all men and I yeah at the time I was in like a really um like a white suburban school mm-hmm. so thinking about race wasn't even in my head yeah like I knew I was black but I didn't think that was a thing like yeah. I, knew I was like yeah I'm black what's What's the difference? Yeah. Like, whatever. I didn't learn that was a thing until much later. Yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, like, it's cool. And I went to shows and I was like, fuck, I'm the only black person here. And there's this really funny photo taken in, like, 2015. Yeah. And I went to um, an Arsene Alexandria show at the Roundhouse. And the photographer took, like, a crowd shot. Uh-huh. And I'm at the barrier because I was a dweeby little kid. I was like, I have to be <laughs> yeah, I'm going to queue from fucking knows what time in the morning oh just to God. see them. Your poor um, parents. <laughs> and then it's a whole crowd shot. And the only per- black person there, dead centre in the middle, is just me. Really? And I didn't even notice it until some, one of my friends, who was also there, commented on the photo, like, oh, my God, T, the only black person. In this yeah. Person. I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, I am. And I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's okay, whatever. So, yeah, I just carried on being a black woman in the alternative scene, yeah. the rock scene, whatever. It wasn't until I got to 18 when I started studying music, I was like, this isn't normal. I was like, oh, well, not, not normal. This isn't, like, a regular thing. Usual, like, I, have yeah. no expe- I have no, like, representation. Mm. So, like, people have really low expectations of me because they have no one else who looks like me to like feel like oh she could be like her that'd be so sick yeah they just kind of like oh she should probably be singing like gospel or R&B or something yeah so yeah so those negative stereotypes do they are damaging aren't they because yeah I guess it's the same in like politics and stuff you never see powerful women so it's hard to aspire to be something that you've never it's really seen you get lumped in with the a stereotype yeah for sure it's really hard like just as a woman in general to mm. just be but especially in like being a woman in music like how do I know who I'm meant to be if I'm yeah. in a rock of a rock scene I have like almost no one to look up to like and then you second guess yourself and you just don't know how to betray yourself or how yeah. to be so you just kind of at least me I'm just free balling I just yeah. go along and do what I want to do and I have a very don't give a fuck attitude I'm like this is what I've chosen to do and I'm Fully. gonna do it like this and I'll do this like this and if it doesn't work Fuck you, I tried it. And if it does work, I'm amazing and I'm a black woman. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I was just going to ask you, what advice would you give to other young black women that are coming up through the industry that are struggling to find role models? Um, try and find other black women who are trying to do the same thing as you. Yeah. Or not even if it's not the same genre. Just black women who want to make it in the industry just like you do. Yeah. Because in the past two years... Um, I've started making friends with other black women who want to be like um, freelance musicians or session musicians or artists within their own right. And we've just started like just like a basic friendship. It was never like we're just going to sit down and talk about our woes. Yeah. It was like a normal friendship and just having them around you mm. and knowing that they want to do the same thing as you and that it's possible. It's like such an uplift. uplift. <laughs> yeah it's an uplifting thing there uplifting. We go, right now. it's uplifting. true it is true though isn't it like i feel um so grateful for disgrace in the company and mm. having so many inspirational women around me because it, it's my main source of drive you know like whenever i'm having a bad day i, I look at all you guys and I'm, I'm so proud of what everything you've done and i just love seeing women succeed like i get mm-hmm. this great feeling from it mm-hmm. and i just wish more women could feel that feeling you know like yeah. how do we reach out to these girls how do we encourage people to form because you've got a lovely kind of like dance group now haven't you a brilliant yeah. true how do you encourage women to form these alliances and these groups and stuff um i think it just starts with having in your head that other women are not your enemy they're not your competition mm. they can be your friends and they can be your greatest supporters so yeah. as long as 
you find other like-minded women yeah. that want to be doing the same things as you, want to be in the same industry as you, and as long as they are like all level-headed and want this the best for everyone around them, they can be like the best friends you ever fucking yeah. Had. And Hell yeah! It just happens by accident, really. It's like, it does, oh, I fell into this race. Exactly. I think of yours like my sisters. I'm like, literally, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Oh, amazing! It just happens by accident, really. It does. It's a, ha- a very happy accident, though. Of course. So throwing it back to you, you can sit with us. Mm. You being the only person of color in a very white space is that frequent for you in feminist circles? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Just in general, I'm sometimes like. Even in like everyday situations, like I'm on the train or I was just around somewhere, I was like, I look around, I'm like, wow. Yeah. I'm the only like visible person of colour. Some people can be like people of colour, like white passing or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I look around, I'm like, wow, I'm the only one that's very obviously uh, black here. Yeah. (laughs) um, Just in feminist situations, yes, because I've noticed a lot that within black communities, um, some people don't want to admit that they're a feminist because they think it betrays them in a certain light mm. or that they don't, I don't know, a lot of people just don't want to admit it because it means they're too loud, too strong-willed or that means no man's going to want them or things yeah. like that. But fortunately, in that way, the fact that I was raised in a very white-centric way to just do my thing and not care about it yeah. was... It worked in my favour in that kind of way, which is kind of nice. That's good that, that it's, it's watching your favour because a mm. lot of people, they don't they don't get that. Yeah. They get stuck in, in the stereotypes, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Tulitha, you're such an interesting person. What in your life has made you kind of feel small or what in your life has made you feel like you can't do anything? Like, do you have any examples for people? Because I think people find it, again, hard to mm. comprehend. Um, something that they've never experienced themselves. Do you have any, like, true experiences that really come to mind when people ask you um, about how you've been treated in life and how your life has been different to mm. perhaps white women or people that, are, that aren't people of colour? I mean, I'm super fortunate in the fact that I can say wholeheartedly that I've never had to experience outright blatant racism, like any kind of abuse, like yeah. out in public or whatever, or online, which is really nice. Um but it's only been in like the past year and a half where I started like looking back on like early years of my life mm. and like being a teen in school and I'm like that person that thing said wasn't right or wasn't very nice and I'm like I feel like that was a racially motivated comment that they made and it's, yeah it sucks that it's like a fuck knows how many years later I'm looking back on it and I'm like I can't go back and yeah hit that teacher for saying that but it sucks and it really does hurt knowing that it's something that at the time I took blindly because I was like oh whatever and I didn't have the knowledge to realise that that was um, a racist or misogynist comment. Yeah. What advice would you give to people who are experiencing in their life um, being, like, trying to ram into a stereotype? Like, how how do you... Because, obviously, being alternative is, is quite an active choice mm-hmm. for a person. Like, it's quite a, a, a obvious, like, appearance-wise, I guess, like, mm-hmm. choice, a lifestyle choice. How What would you say to someone that's trying to jam you into, like, a stereotype that you want to they want to break out they want to express themselves i mean if someone's trying to put you in a stereotype that you don't fit into mm-hmm. just carry on being you and people will see that that is not fucking you you're yeah. just doing your own thing and people should accept you for that and if people want to try and stereotype you they can try as much as they fucking want yeah. but as long as you're being like authentic and true to yourself it's not gonna work it's like putting like like, we know those kids' games, you try to put, like, a heart in a square yeah. circle. It's not going to work. It won't fit. Exactly. Because that heart is a heart, and it won't go in a square thing. It's just going to be so true to itself, and that is you. Don't worry about other people's things. People will see you for the greatness that you do within your own sectors and your own passions. And Amen. Yes, girl. Talitha, you're such a fucking interesting person. I honestly think you're, a, you're so much multidimensional. Multi... Is that the right word? Multidimensional? Multidimensional, multi, multi, multi I'm a 3D person. <laughs> like a fucking diamond. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you are. Is there anything about you that we don't know? Have you got any secret hobbies or passions or anything? Or are you very much a heart on your sleeve type person? I feel like I've already said my one, like, secret, not secret thing, thing that surprises people with the baritone what? horn. Yeah! It always surprises people because, like, I'm a bit of a, not a loose cannon, I'm just a little bit cray-cray. Yeah. And people don't expect me of all people to be playing a brass instrument. I think it's really cool. Other than that, I feel like 
everyone knows anything there is to be about me. I'm such an open book. Like, yeah. ask me any questions. It's the weirdest thing you want to know. Just fucking ask me things. You or... do seem very open. Yeah, You're very good at, at explaining and articulating yourself as well. Mm. Do you find yourself in conversations with people, um, like, you know, quite deep and meaningful conversations quite often? Um, sometimes. It depends on exactly what it is. Yeah. Because depending on how much I'm feeling that day or who I'm around... I will sometimes not want to engage in conversations that's about like gender or race mm. or sexuality because one, it's a lot of emotional labour to have to explain myself to someone. Yeah. Or to fight someone else's corner. If someone says something trash, I'll jump in there and fight someone else's corner. Mm-hmm. But actually starting those conversations with people can be really tiring emotionally. Yeah. And depending on my mood or who I'm around, I won't do it. But if I can, I will. And I love doing that with people. And people seem to really enjoy doing it with me because a lot of the time I have really um, open and liberated views about everything. Yeah. So I end up in those conversations a lot, which you is do. nice. I do enjoy that. I've um, seen on your social media you talk about it a lot. Yeah. yeah. I talk about race. I talk about sexuality. I love it. I talk about gender. Yes. I talk about being a black woman. All the whole lot of shit. All a the whole time. Lot there is of no stuff. agenda to what I do. I just spew shit. I love it. Around. I was scrolling through it and I think the one <laughs> post that really stood out to me was the um you posted a picture of your natural hair. Oh yeah. I thought that was awesome. Did you get a good reaction to that? Yeah, everyone yeah. seems to flip and love my natural hair, which is so great. Yeah. But um it's a mixed thing. People are like, oh, I fucking love it. I mm. so much. Or people are like, when are you getting your braids back? And I'm like, why? Mm. <laughs> why are they like, oh, it just looks so much like tidier and stuff? And I'm like... No. There is quite a big issue why? around um, black women's hair and black hair in general, isn't there? Mm-hmm. What, talk to me about that. So, in general, for like... The whole of time, just yeah. uh, black women's like natural, like kinky, coily, like hair textures haven't been like accepted in education or in like professional establishments. Yeah. So that's why we have things like relaxers, which are like a permanent like uh, perming, so it like straightens it's your straight hair, and, like, hair completely demolishes your hair texture, mm. or like protective styles like getting a weave or a wig or like braids like this or anything like that to almost disguise your hair texture and make it a little bit more acceptable for like yeah. work or school, and. It's just kind of upsetting that we can't just be our natural selves. Like, yeah. I don't know how it can't be accepted. Like, the most natural thing about me it grows out of my fucking head. Like, Literally, it's your DNA, isn't it? I can't how can be it like be And my actually, my little brother the other day said that he wants to have. He's eight. He said he wants to have dreads for school. Ah, and I was like, that's great. That's a normal, that's awesome. like, natural uh, black protective hairstyle. Yeah. But I was saying to my nan, who is white, um, I was saying, do his hair like that. But understand that when he goes to school, there could be some backlash because it's not accepted in some schools, in some yeah. workplaces. And since he's such a young kid, people would be like, that's not a natural hair type. He has to like have it shaved off. Mm. Like, he can't have that. And I was like, do it anyway. Yeah. But understand 100%. that he will be kept back and refuse it. Just say, that's his hair and that's how it's going to be. A hundred percent. That's so true. And I think that's um, it's quite an important issue in the alternative scene as well because mm-hmm. alternative hairstyles a lot of people incorporate dreadlocks a lot of white people incorporate yeah. dreadlocks into their hairstyle and from my understanding that's an appropriation because mm-hmm. white people when they have dreadlocks are seen as kind of quirky and yeah. edgy and like oh she's a bit rebellious like she mm-hmm. goes to festivals and stuff like that <laughs> whereas black people with dreadlocks are not seen in the same way at uh-huh. all they're seen almost in a negative way in an untidy way yeah. what's your kind of experience and opinion on this? um from I've never had dreadlocks myself because dreadlocks are the kind of style where you'll have your hair like that mm-hmm. and that's just how your hair is like you, it's not like my braids I have now I can't undo them yeah that's your hair as dreads and then you shave it off and start again with, her, with however you want to have your hair yeah but in general dreads on black bodies are seen as like dirty disgusting unprofessional yeah and then on like you said on a white person mm-hmm. like, oh, she's so quirky she's so yeah. rambled she goes to festivals she <laughs> she loves this and that blah, blah, blah. yeah and I don't I don't really understand why. I remember one time um, I was doing a dance show and I had my hair like this, but yeah. I didn't have the half silver side, I just had it all black. Mm. And there was one kid in, like, in the lowest school that was just staring at me. I was like, yes, cool, kids stay. You know how when you're a supermarket, kids, kids just stare. stare they like, stare at me all the freaking time. Fine. They're like, that like, lady has blue, blue hair. hair. Blue yeah. hair, she has drawings on her skin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> mom. <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's a kid. I went to my friend, actually. I went, oh, there's a kid staring at me. And my friend, I pulled her up on it, it's okay. My friend went, oh, maybe she thinks you're scary because you have dreads. <gasps> and I was like, wow. this is, I was like, in my head I was like, okay, this is a two-faceted argument right yes. here. So I was like, first of all, these aren't dreads, these are phrase. Yeah. Secondly, why would that make me scary? Mm. And I was like, 
she just kind of went, uh, 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 and we hashed it out over like a week because I was like, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, yeah. what you said is pretty much unacceptable. So yeah, it's not. Not talk to you for a while. No. But yeah, I was like. Fully. Do you think that came from a place of ignorance? I think so. But I was like, that's. That's the kind of thing when you pull someone up on it, they don't actually know why they said it. Yeah. They just said it because it's something that's been fed to them and ingrained in them so much, and they're like, fuck, why do I say that? That makes no sense. You that's know, so true. But you do have to pull people up on it so they can realise that and learn from it. That's fully. We've been fed these narratives for so long mm-hmm. that I think a lot of things that I've been experiencing when I've been arguing about um, sex work is mm-hmm. that these things have just been fed to people by the media. Yeah. I think the number one argument I'm getting at the moment is, pay your taxes! Oh. And I'm like... How would I get away with not paying my taxes? I know, how would I be and so be public? <laughs> I mean, like, please tell me how. Please. Like, Starbucks has definitely paid less tax than fucking us. Like, mm-hmm. we actually get taxed at a higher rate being self-employed people. Um, but I find it bizarre that because people have been fed these narratives for so mm-hmm. long and they don't think to question them. Yeah. Have you seen that meme where it's like a six and a nine and then it's, it's talking about, like, you have to... Um, respect perspective like one person will see it one way because they're on this side and one person will uh-huh. see they're like they're on this side no that's fucking bullshit this mm-hmm. is people's uninformed opinions yeah why can they not like try and like educate themselves and then yeah. they will question the narratives themselves and they won't have to put it on other people who are experiencing the negative effects of these stereotypes for them to explain it that's not our job if you want to be a better person you have to go out there and educate mm-hmm. yourself and it's like ignorance is absolute fucking bliss and there are a Absolutely. lot of people out there like with any kind of topic whether it's sex work or it's being a woman or being um a woman of color or whatever yeah they'll tell you their opinion and their argument or they'll ask actually no they'll ask you about your opinion yeah but they're not wanting to hear what you have to say they're just doing it so they have a opportunity to tell you their probably stupid yeah, opinion absolutely. and it's like why are you engaging this conversation with me just to spew your ignorance and when i'm trying sometimes you come back and you're nice and you're like saying i have the time today like i'll try to explain this thing to you yeah and they're like no stupid woman Ugh. stupid blah 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 yeah they don't then just saying their own shit to be loud and be, I am right not to actually learn or progress in their life. Exactly. And those are the kind of people you don't really have time for. And it takes a lot of emotional energy, no matter what it is you're it's talking exhausting. about, to educate people, especially when they don't want to change. They don't want yeah. to learn. So sometimes you just have to accept it. Like the battle is neither lost nor won. It is just Fully. neutral. You can't judge yourself <laughs> and you can't put that on yourself either. If mm-hmm. these people don't understand. Because, exactly. As you said, it's incredibly emotionally exhausting mm-hmm. and it's been exhausting for me these past few days. I've been arguing on Twitter with, hundreds of people mm-hmm. and it, it is exhausting to go through your life and that does disproportionately affect people that have to explain themselves more frequently like do you think it has an effect on our mental health i feel like it does because for me at least not so much anymore i used to get to this point where i'd like argue my case or fight my corner so many times I'm like, I am right, right? Like, yeah. I'm doing the right thing. I'm mm-hmm. saying the right thing. And you're like, maybe you have like moments of self-doubt. You're like, fuck, maybe, maybe this, that, maybe I'm disgusting, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, no, that's yeah. fucking done. I'm doing the right thing. I've been doing this for so long. You're like, you as go. someone who advocates for like self-education, like just researching mm-hmm. and learning your own shit. Like if that were me, I'd, I'd know I was wrong and I'd there accept that and move on. Yeah. But yeah, it's a big road to a lot of self-doubt when you have to explain yourself for any kind of reason to someone for it so is, long. It? and it's like an ongoing thing if you're a minority in any way even as a sex worker mm-hmm. you're a minority and you're gonna always always gonna have to explain yourself to people exactly always. 100% mm-hmm. what is some advice you would give to people who are feeling a bit beaten down for any reason because they are falling into any kind of stereotype or falling into any kind of minority what advice mm-hmm. would you give them to continue fighting and continue staying strong with themselves if you are any kind of minority in regards to your gender, sexuality, race, anything like that, or your occupation, that's just who you are. And there's no shame in that because there's never any shame in who you are. Just Amen. be you. As long as it's safe and legal, that's who you are. Exactly. Actually, no. The guy is who does not actually equal no. being correct. So very true. Fuck what I just said. <laughs> yeah. As long as that's very you're true. being safe and have everyone's best interest at heart, mm-hmm. then you do you. But if you're falling into a stereotype and that's who you are, yeah. fuck it. That's who you are. You don't have to always fight against the grain. All you have to do is just be your most authentic self. I love that. And you know what? I was going to wrap it up there, Talitha. But <laughs> you've just brought up the subject of legality. What is your um, stance? Well, not stance, but like, what is, what do you, how do you feel around the subject of black people and people of colour being incarcerated mm-hmm. in comparison to white people? I mean, just the way that people perceive black people and even mm. myself because I've been brought up in a white society and I had to unlearn this behaviour you sometimes look at black people and think 
that's a criminal right mm. there or that's someone who's in a bit of misconduct right there so it, you automatically assume and that's how black people all over the world get incarcerated at a faster rate than people of any other race yeah and there's a whole thing in the states more so than anywhere else where um black people are reincarcerated at such an exponential rate for yeah. um marijuana especially mm-hmm. now in some states where marijuana is now legal, legal and there's white people gentrifying it going i have a weed shop come buy my all my all my Fully. marijuana and it's like if even there's states where marijuana has been legalized and there's black people still incarcerated for it like, yeah oh, this makes no sense it didn't make no sense it doesn't make any sense but, yeah it's just been a huge problem and uh, i feel like really fortunate to be in the uk where i don't have to constantly be on such a high alert as a black person fearing for my life around authorities i feel so thankful for that but when i actually shared a post on facebook the other day watching um a man who was being um a cop was like trying to stop him and search him and check his id and all that for picking up trash outside his apartment and he ridiculous and the cop pulled out his gun on him and he was like what the fuck man i'm just i'm on my own property yeah you've seen this not being aggressive or anything it's it's, it's a such a issue. it's really damaging and mm-hmm. in the UK here we do hear news stories about it but I've travelled to America a lot and I've spoken to a lot of people about it and I think it's a lot worse than we think I is think over so. here like it's it's literally an epidemic people are dying daily I feel like it's from this horrific racist system mm-hmm. yeah it's awful and like it's something that I already have in my head as a fix I've never been to the states but I already have it in my head I'm like, yeah in my head in my head it's <laughs> like a thought of like. I could just be out there living my life and um, for the colour of my skin I could die for doing absolutely nothing. How fucked up is that? Uh-huh. And I've even heard a story on another podcast I listened to. Um, a black woman, she was over in London and her and her other black friends are in the car. A guy driving was also black and they got stopped by the police. Um, it was f- for... The car registration was like marked by police for right. just like a possession of marijuana. Just uh, marijuana or whatever. Yeah. Um, they had to all get out the vehicle and be searched and stuff. Too much. And the police people were like, if we find anything in this car, you're all fucked, basically. So they were assuming already that they were yeah. criminals before they even had before any they, evidence. Exactly, which is absolutely out of order. And yeah. the girl who's from the States, she obviously knows exactly how it is at home, mm. but she was on holiday here, so she didn't understand how um, the firearms laws are here. So she was already on she was edge. And out. the guy, the driver, who she didn't know, it was um, the driver was a friend of the person with her. Oh. And he was already mouthing off to the police. Oh. And she was like, you need to shut please. up. You need to do exactly what he says. Just no goofing around. And she ended up like having a panic attack and crying at the end of it when they got let go by the police, thankfully. Oh she was like, back home, they kill you. You can't like just behave like that. But, no. Yeah, it's a whole thing. It's so crazy how even like... Even for me, because I would fear for someone in that situation, someone who's never been around guns or anything, mm. as I think, as black people, we all have it in our heads that this collective fear or like, almost like um, trauma from it. Just thinking yeah, a collective if we trauma. do something wrong around authorities, around the police, we could die. I mean, historically and currently, like it's proven 100%. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's an irrational fear oh, yeah. in any way. Fucking terrifying. It is it's absolutely insane. And mm-hmm. speaking of the subject of marijuana, I go to California a lot mm-hmm. and every single big white marijuana business is owned by a white guy. Mm-hmm. Um, even the ones that I know. And whilst I'm happy that it's been legalized and it's helping mm-hmm. so many people, I think it is absolutely insane that there are still people in the state jails, not just federal jails, mm-hmm. that have been jailed under these laws that have now been overturned. Exactly. But then that brings in the whole subject of how prisons are businesses and if absolutely. you lose prisoners and you lose business and it's a whole thing. It's true. It's true. I the think business black... of incarceration. Yeah, it is. Black people are just being used to turn profit for mm-hmm. white people, which yeah. is insane. I, th- I think that's repeat through history, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's truly fucked up. I do feel sorry for America at the moment with Donald Trump, etc. Does Does it kind of scare you from going to America? Have you ever been to America? I've never been, but yeah. I am a bit scared. I know that. Yeah. It's something. I'd have to research before I go. Like, I'd have to learn about the laws of certain states and just to do with firearms have to put or just behaviour and traffic laws, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I feel like I shouldn't have to put in that extra You shouldn't to have to. fucking holiday, man. <laughs> That's something that would never even occur to me. Exactly. Like, I've never even looked up anything like that. Mm. I've never worried when I've been pulled over the police or the border control or anything mm. like that. I've never experienced anything like that. And, again, it comes down to just... I think white people need to really be aware and open our eyes up to this. Yeah. Because it's happening on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And it's really fucked up. Thank you so much for talking to me. Oh, I've had a great you. chat. You're <laughs> an amazing woman. Um, so if people want to find you online and stuff like that, where can we find you? Um, best place is just Insta. Insta. Um, my at is Talitha Frost. Cool. That's it. 
Spells a little phosphorus. Uh, T A L I T H A F R O S T. Got yeah. The main place Have you got any cool upcoming projects or anything that you want people to know about? Um, at the minute, I'm in the middle of writing. Obviously, with my band, that's an ongoing thing for so do. the foreseeable future. What's your band Insta? Um, band Insta. It should be um just at trick vision music trick but it could be music. different so maybe just check out the description for this episode and it'll be there got it and i'll link it for you yeah uh, and uh you would have my regular insta i'm in the middle of writing an ep but as a solo artist so that's crazy that'll be released Sick. in august hopefully and you'll put that on your socials i'll put that on my socials Great. i'll have that up on apple music spotify or that channel. yeah any shows with your dance burlesque girls um, oh by the time the episode but, um, it's gonna come out. I think it's tomorrow. Oh, really? Or is it next next week? Okay. Oh, I think it might be. I'll I'll, I'll double check. Tomorrow of next week. No, it might be tomorrow. Uh, oh, is actually, it, tomorrow. Is it tomorrow. I think so. As in Wednesday. Oh, uh, let's have a chat. Let's have a let's have a look at my thing. Da 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 da. Sorry, guys, to just keep you waiting while I check my calendar. Um, yes, the, this episode will be coming out on the 29th. Oh, my goodness, that's so soon. So, plug okay, your show. On the day that this episode comes out. On the 29th. Yeah, boy, 29th of May. Um, I'm performing with a dance troupe that I'm part of called Radiate at Hoxton Cabaret. Cool. Right in London, that is. So, if you're in London Somewhere in Hoxton. and you've got a few, spoo- few spare pennies, come down to Hoxton Cabaret. Fun. Um, on the 7th of June. Um, I'm performing at Face Down with a lovely group of Scarlet Girls yeah. that I'm now part of. And that's cool. Doing uh, free performances that night. So if anyone can make it, a few spare pennies, come down. Come down, Have support a, your local girl gang. Night. Yeah, boy. Amen. Talisa, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. You're such a darling and you're an amazing woman. I love you. Thank you. Thanks, girl. All right, guys. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 